say it one more time. Happy Mother's Day to all our mamas out there and all our mamas here and in memory. Just um, happy Mother's Day. So it is Mother's Day, but I am actually going to be talking about my daddy, my heavenly father. Is that all right with you this morning? All right. Thank you, worship team. That was awesome. All right. It's a little quiet in here. That's my only complaint sometimes when I get up here. I like things loud. Good morning. All right. Y'all ready to be encouraged this morning? All right. I'm glad Pastor Clay came up and mentioned that I was coming up because I thought I was going to have to come up here and be like, psych. Because sometimes you see him, you can't miss him down here. He's so tall. And so everyone assumes he's going to come up here. But since it's Mother's Day and I'm a mom, I think that's why they asked me to come up here. I'm here. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Lisa Moss. And I've been coming to this church. This is my home. Um, for seven years now, I think seven years, I'm bad with math, but yes, seven years, I was on staff four years ago, then had my daughter Ava, and then came back on staff, Um, I had a long maternity leave for like three and a half years, and now I'm back on staff, so uh, that's who I am, I am just going to share with you today the encouragement that God has encouraged me with, and be transparent with you, and um, just share from my heart, if that's all right, so I am going to pray. You can give God a hand clap. That's awesome. Love that. I'm going to pray before I jump into the word here. So, God, we love you. I pray you would bless this word and bless everyone here. Amen. Doesn't have to be hard. <laughs> Short and sweet. Oh, hey. Was that a piano tone? That was awesome. All right. Heights. I think there's going to be a thing on the back screen here in a minute. Heights is what I'm talking about today. How many of us want to go up in life? The next level. All right. Some of us are scared to say it, scared to say they want to go up. But God is a God of going up. He wants every single one of us to go up. He wants this church to go up. He wants this church to grow. So this is a message this morning to encourage us individually and to encourage us collectively because God has more for us this morning. And so the reason we have to challenge ourselves to go up in life is because, yes, we want to go up, and it's so positive. Everyone wants to go to the top, but sometimes we forget what it takes to get there. We forget that we've got to climb. We forget that we've got to till the soil if we want God to increase our territory. We've got to put in the work if we want God to give us increase, to give us more. And so I want to encourage us to do that this morning. I don't know if maybe you, maybe you didn't raise your hand when I asked if you want to go to the top because you're discouraged and you want to stop climbing. And I pray that as I speak and as God just moves in your hearts, that he would stir up that passion to want to keep going, to want more. And I want to fight against this, this thing called complacency. The thing that has sunk into our culture, my generation especially, so deep, where it's this false feeling of pleasure and being self-satisfied. And what it means is that you have no idea of the danger that awaits you. So yeah, you might be feeling good. You might be feeling so comfortable, but that's where the danger is because you're getting so comfortable feeling complacent that it lulls you to sleep as you sit in that comfort, that complacency too long, and suddenly, bam, you've missed your purpose for your life. And that's what I want to shake up in us this morning is to go the heights, to shake up the complacency, and let's get ready to climb. And some of us are afraid of heights. And so um, that's all right because I'm not going to make you physically get up on a ladder 
but heights. We all need to go the heights. And I had to share the definition of this. Um, I'm big into just understanding the full meaning of the words that I'm articulating to you because it just captures the essence, I believe, of why God even laid that word heights on my heart. It means the highest part. This is what God wants for us. The top, the apex, the summit, the utmost degree. And so as we want to go those places again, we got to work the soil. And another thing in complacency is we get confused about where the mountain is. We get confused about where we're supposed to climb because there's this place called base camp. I'm from Colorado, so I'm going to share some terms with you about mountains and about climbing. Um, We got like flat as all flat. Get out out here. So I'm going to explain some terms. But you've probably seen a movie about Everest or uh, some other mountain, and they get to base camp. Base camp is a camp where before you hike a mountain, you, you rally with your people. You've already packed your hiking bag. You got your boots. You got all your snacks. You got off the plane with your people. And to adjust to the altitude before you go further, you stop at base camp. Base camp is where you rest, where you get encouraged. You rally around your team. You know who your support people are. And then you climb. Church is our base camp. Church is not the main event. And so if you're in a place where you're just satisfied coming on Sunday, don't be ashamed, but I want to shake that up in you. Church is where we come together. We get ready to actually do life, to go the heights, to go the distance, to make sure we got all the tools we need, all the encouragement we need, because we're going up. And so let's not stay at base camp and be satisfied with that this morning. And to go to new heights, we need new perspective. We can only see things a certain way in our human perspective. But to see things God's way, we need God's perspective. And we need to pray that he not just changes our vision, but that he doesn't just change our mind, but that he changes our hearts so that we can begin to see things from his perspective. Because perspective has a lot to do with our vision. So if you think about, I just went to the optometrist a couple, like three weeks ago. We actually have one of our optometrists that goes to this church, um, Cynthia. And so she would appreciate this. But when you kind of like focus on something, when you hone in on something, your perspective actually zeroes in when you're focusing on something. But as we change our perspective and focus on God, our horizon actually broadens. We're actually able to see things through his heart in a different way. And so we can see that everything that we're seeing from our limited perspective, when we give it to God to change our heart, he broadens what we're able to see. We're able to see that this is not all what we're walking through right now. We're able to see that these circumstances around us, the people around us right now, this is not all. And so we need to change our perspective if we're gonna go the heights. And so we had Threads two nights ago. Who was here at Threads? Threads is our semi-annual ladies event, and it was awesome. We had it Friday night. If you missed out, I'm sad for you, but you can turn that disappointment into coming next year because it was incredible, it was encouraging, and it was a time for us to rally together at base camp and get ready for life. And our men, did we give a hand clap to our men yet who served? They looked awesome. We actually, when we kicked off our Threads event the other night, we had a sea of men like filling up the back wall because they had been ushering every lady into their seats in black pants and white shirt, and it was just so lovely. So if I didn't thank you, gentlemen, y'all were phenomenal, and you set the tone for what God wanted to do that evening. And we reminded ladies that God has put a dream in your heart. A dream is to go higher places. A dream is for more. And again, we, you all, we all have different reasons for why we stop dreaming. 
but God knows your heart. He's chosen you. You heard it in the worship song this morning. God sees you. And in a moment, any moment, regardless of where you are, if you choose to turn back to God, invite him into your heart. He'll change all of it in a moment, give you your dream back, turn everything around to where you are qualified to go the distance, to climb the mountain. And so um, this was just a natural piggyback off of that. Let's just keep going. Let's keep going. (laughs) Let's keep going up. So for us to go higher, for us to, we, we decided we want to go the mountain. We decide we want better things in life. There's a couple things we need to do. And the first thing is to focus. Focus. I talked about perspective, but focus. I have a daughter. Um, her name's Ava. Like I said, she's three and a half years old. And um, she has an even more limited perspective, humanly speaking, than I do. She doesn't get the whole picture yet. So we'll be driving in the car sometimes, and I'll say, pick a couple toys that you want to bring with you. And so she's sitting in the back seat. She begs to come climb in the front because she has no idea, you know, driving is a little bit dangerous. And so she's playing in the back seat with her stuffed animals, and then we'll, like, drop one. And she loses it because from her perspective, that was, like, the end of the world. And she goes, Mom, help me find my stuffed animal. And I say, Ava, I cannot. I have to focus because if I turn around, I might crash this car. And if we don't get our focus right, the consequences can be detrimental, just like in that. And so God is telling us to focus, focus our lives. Colossians 3, starting in verse 2, says, Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. It's telling us where to put our focus if we've chosen to be a Christ follower. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So it's telling us where to, get, where, to, where to get our thinking. God's kingdom should be our focus. Pastor Clay was talking about that last week. We need to keep our eyes on the prize. But we also need to remember that we're not, in, we're not in heaven yet. Last time I checked, we're not there yet. And so we need to figure out how we need to be spending the meantime. How do we focus on heaven, which means also focusing on what's at stake, what's at hand in the here and now before we get there. We've got to figure that out. And in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, Paul is comparing life to a race about keeping your focus. He says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. He's saying, I have not arrived because you haven't arrived yet on this side of heaven. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. We have to fix our eyes on Jesus. And again, keep our eyes on heaven. But also he said, I don't, I don't want to just arrive there. When I get there, I want to receive the prize. That means I need to work it where I'm at right now. Keep my focus. Allow God to change my perspective to know how I'm supposed to be spending my time right here so I can really celebrate when I get up there. Amen? All right. And so as we, as we change our focus, like I said, it means that, that God can expand our horizon. We can understand that wherever we are in life, there's still more for you. You might think that just because you're retired, there's not, there's not more for you. Or you might think that, that we can just have more by just having another day. But if you, have another, if you have another day, that means there's something for you to do in that day. It doesn't mean just sitting back and waiting for the next day and the next day. It means that's a gift that you have to have more for your life, regardless of how old you are, where you are in life. We've got to work it and understand that there is more, every single opportunity. And as you embrace that and allow God to just really pour in his favor and you give those opportunities to God, 
that's when he will increase your life. That's when he will take you higher. That's when things will begin to go upwards, all right? So we got to give it to God. And it's gonna be scary. Who likes being scared? No one likes scary movies. I at least thought somebody would be like, I know like Kelsey Black, if she was in here, she surprises me. (laughs) And Black's daughter, our life development um, pastor's daughter. She loves to be scared and she surprises me because she's not the person that I would think that. But just like that thrill of like turning off the lights and watching a scary movie, that is not for me. But I want us to get used to the idea that things are gonna be scary. Let's get comfortable with that. But we have to push through the fear. That's my second point this morning. We're gonna go the distance. We're gonna go high places. We have to learn to push through the fear. Because on the other side of fear are the best things in life. Every risk, if it's a risk you're supposed to take, it's worth it. And oftentimes the most peace is on the other side of fear. It's not on the front end. That's anxiety. That's something that if you linger there, that's not a good place. But the best things in life are on the other side of fear. So it can't be our focus. If we look at it, if we stay there, it begins to define us. It begins to hold us captive. And I know that because for 15 years of my life, I've known God since I was four. I've had, I'm 30 now, help you kind of do the math. Um, I've walked with God a long time. I've had, it's not been a perfect journey. I'm human too. But for 15 years of my life, even in following Christ, I was crippled by fear. Such a fear of failure and such a fear of pleasing other people that from about the time I was a preteen on until somebody who spoke into my life helped me recognize that my life was crippled and defined by fear and that God had so much more for me. And I was putting boundaries on my life. I was holding myself back because I looked at fear in the face and I didn't face it. I, I cowered back and I stayed. And I wanna encourage us not to do that. Fear is literally paralyzing. Fear is one of those things that you look at it and you can just just completely lose your ability to move forward in life. And so not knowing what we have to walk through to get to the other side, it is scary. I'm not gonna pretend fear doesn't exist, but fear is not something we're supposed to embrace. Peace be still. God is, that song we sang, we need God to bring peace into our lives. Just because there's waves, yeah, there's gonna be waves. I'm not saying life is perfect. God's bigger than the waves. We don't need to fear the storm. God is bigger than any fear that we might have. And if he's called you to it, He's gonna give you the strength and the peace to walk you all the way through all of that. And I have to tell you, the worst points of fear, again, focusing on fear, fear is kind of one of those things that can push us, push us outside of our comfort zone, like being scared. You kind of feel alive when you're, when you're in fear just for just a moment because it makes you kind of catch your breath, your blood starts pumping, you know, in your chest. You're very aware of, of when you're scared. But in that, it can push us to do things that you know are bigger than you, and you can sign up for them, and that, that fear turns to excitement. Like when they asked me to speak for threads, I was excited kind of fear then, and then like on Friday morning, I was like the <laughs> kind of fear, because like when things are further out, that's a good time to commit, because you're not at the follow-through point, because when you start getting up on what you committed to do, that's when it's like, it becomes real. Like I was sitting down here worshiping. That was an incredible worship set. I was loving it. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, one song left. And then I have to get up. There's the moments before we take the leap where I'm like, this is scary. 
Because somebody asked me on Friday night, I saw my friend Sarah come in, and she said, she texted me after Friday night, and she said, are you scared of public speaking like I am? I said, yes, I am. (laughs) And that's how much I love y'all is because I'm working through my fear that I decided not to do as a child. When I was a kid, every time that there was a project due and there was something you had to present to the class, there was this stomach virus that swept only in my home, only into my bedroom, and I was sick. And I did not push through the fear. I could have worked through so much awkwardness if, I, if my mom didn't let me stay home. I could have worked through the awkwardness, and I'm sorry I didn't, so you get to deal with some of that up here today. But I have to push through fear to do the things that God wants me to do. All right? And I want to encourage you in that. And so two biggest fears that I could think of are public speaking. Who's scared of public speaking, by the way? I'm going to hand one of y'all the mic. We're going to do I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're not going to do that. And then the other one is a fear of falling. Those are like two common fears. And so I did a thing. Last week was really busy, but I decided it wasn't busy enough. So I did a thing because I was like, what are, God, what do you want to share? What of your heart, what piece of your heart do you want to share in this segment on Sunday morning? And I felt like God was like, get them ready to climb. We got to go up. We got to move. It's time to move. Let's move. And so in doing that, pushing through the fear, this is the best example I could think of. They have a video here in a moment. In a moment. Good morning. Getting the GPS ready to know where I'm jumping out of the plane. Jumping out of the plane. second biggest fear was facing Miss Kim telling her (laughs) the next day that I did that because I was smart enough to know not to tell her the moment I decided to do that because I didn't want to cause fear in her. And so I told her after the fact, she's going to kill me is what she just, (laughs) was it worth it? You understand a little bit more about fear now? (laughs) Because in that, the scariest moment, the fun part was committing And I'm glad I committed. I decided on a Thursday afternoon, I called and I paid. And so when you pay for something, you commit to something. So, uh, which is just insanity to decide to pay somebody to jump out of an airplane. I'm not sure that's a little bit backwards, but then the follow through, that's when, that's when it gets hard. 
And um, in that, I think there's so many times that we just want to back out. We want to back out at the point right before the going gets good. Because the fun part was about eight seconds after you roll out of the airplane when you're in free fall. That's where the fun and the peace is like nothing I've ever experienced in life. Jumping out of the airplane was like, it goes against everything in your body because, well, let me just, can you like start the video again and just show that airplane upstairs? Give the, give the people upstairs behind stage that you might not even know exist a hand. <laughs> Good morning. Okay, so I want to back out here. You can fast forward a little bit. They're awesome upstairs. I'm just testing their skills. Okay, so you're about to see this airplane, and I want you to look at the size of this airplane. Good friends, he has to push me out of a plane and keep me alive, so here we go. All right, stop. Stop. All right, I'm just going to talk through it. So look at that airplane. Four of us fit in that airplane. This reminds me a lot when you get going in this airplane, especially of a lawnmower that's used, that's not in the best space because it didn't start the first time. You had to crank it. It's like, come on, we believe you're going to get us up. So there's like a point in fear. That's when I wanted to back out. Amanda didn't get on the video, but my eyes were like, what did I just sign up for? And then you take off and you can settle into the fear a little bit and you can enjoy the journey. And then it was over Southport. And so about the time where every other time I've had that view, you hear a ding. The captain has now said you can take off your seatbelts and move about the cabin. Or they come through with peanuts. Instead, you whip open this door. And it feels like you're in an 80s minivan, like Astrovan in the sky. And it's so cold. And they're like, just jump out. And he's like, I got your back because literally he's on my back. And so if I bail out at that point, like I signed a contract that he can drag me out, fainting or not. And then you roll with it. So if we just push through fear and understand that it's worth it to get to the other side, we can do big things in life. Because literally that was out of this world to get to do that. And so, um, and the other thing I learned about that, one that I'm dumb because I was smiling. I don't think, they're like, smile if you can when you go out of the airplane. And Amanda was dying looking at the footage because I was all, this is the greatest thing I've ever done. A little bit crazy. But you can get conditioned to fear is the good news. Because I've done that one other time, five years ago, with Brianna George down here. I jumped out of an airplane. And I was way more scared that time because I didn't know what to expect. And I didn't have any point of reference to know that it would be worth it making it out to the other side. Because in talking about this Wednesday of last week, before I decided to do it again, I was mentioning that it was the most peace that I've ever had doing that moment and that it was so worth it. And so in all those little points of fear, it made me realize I can get through the other side and I enjoyed the plane ride a little bit more. I enjoyed, you know, getting ready a little bit more because I knew what was going to come. And that's a lot like faith. Because when we activate our faith, because see, faith is being sure of what we hope for, even though we don't see it. And if God has called us to something that's a little bit scary, we can't see it, but we can be hopeful and we can know that God is going to see us through to the other side. And we can get conditioned with faith. We can grow those faith muscles because when you see God doing his thing, he's always faithful, let me tell you. But when you're willing to do the journey and see God's faithfulness, you can begin to know he's got it. If he called you to it, he's got it. If he's called you to it, he's got it. And you hesitate a lot less in life to push through the fear. And it reminded me of Moses. Because Moses went on this journey with God back in the Old Testament in Exodus. And he was told to lead the Israelite people out of captivity in Egypt. 
and into the promised land. And he hesitated a lot. He hesitated a lot at first, but he saw God's faithfulness firsthand and knew that God was gonna take them the whole journey. He knew that if God said it, he was gonna do it. He saw it through all of his miracles, through all of his provision. And so when it was time for Moses to split the sea, he hesitated a lot less in his faith journey and the scary things because he'd built up that guarantee of what God is gonna do. And so I wanna share with you, I'm gonna share the story with you to take the journey. In Exodus chapter 14, we're gonna pick up in verse 10. It says, as Pharaoh approached, so actually, let me give just one bit of backstory here. So Moses went to Pharaoh, God softened his heart, this whole process, go read about it. And finally, the people were let go out of Egypt. The Israelite slaves were let go out of Egypt. And they're on the journey to the promised land where we pick it up here. And so it says, as Pharaoh approached, because he decided to chase after them, the people of Israel looked up and panicked. Fear set in when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? Because fear does that to us. It makes us doubt everything. It makes us wanna go back to terrible places because we don't wanna push through to the dreams and the promises that God has for us. What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? I told you so. We start playing the blame game. We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. But Moses told the people, because see, he got conditioned to the fear. He got conditioned in his faith. Don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. So see, it wasn't bad enough that they were being chased and they were being chased with their families. Um, I don't move fast when I have Ava in tow with me. Like I try, but then it's like, ah, my stuffed animal, my Cheerios, all these things. These are families trying to move and they're being chased by the most elite army at that time with chariots and fear has overtaken them. And so... So then the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Picking up in verse 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. God wants us to get moving. Talk less, get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots and his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. So then it says, then the angel of God who had been leading the people of Israel moved to the rear of the camp because God goes before us, he goes with us, he goes behind us. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. The cloud settled between the Egyptian and Israelite camps. So it was like a barrier there. As darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. But the Egyptians and the Israelites did not approach each other all night. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea because they got to, not only are they being chased, there's an ocean in front of them. And last time they checked, they didn't have boats. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. 
The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. Then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and charioteers, chased them into middle, the middle of the sea. But just before dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud, and he threw their forces into total confusion. He twisted their chariot wheels, making their chariots difficult to drive. Let's get out of here, away from these Israelites, the Egyptians shouted. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. When all the Israelites, God's chosen people, had reached the other side, the Lord said to Moses, raise your hand over the sea again. Then the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians and their chariots and charioteers. So as the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea and the water rushed back into its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. Then the waters returned and covered all the chariots and charioteers, the entire army of Pharaoh. Of all the Egyptians who had chased the Israelites into the sea, not a single one survived. But the people of Israel, the ones who said, no, let's just go back. I I don't want to sign up for this. I don't want to push through the fear. But the people of Israel had walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground as the water stood up like a wall on both sides. That is how the Lord rescued Israel from the hand of the Egyptians that day. And the Israelites saw the bodies of the Egyptians washed up on the seashore. When the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe before him. They put their faith in the Lord and in his servant, Moses. Because see, yeah, it's amazing. God gives us these stories to push us on in our faith. And these aren't just stories. These are true accounts of what happened. And had Moses cowered in fear, had he not taken those first steps and then activated his faith and done a few more steps and pushed and pushed and pushed, he couldn't have led the Israelites through that. His own faith wouldn't have been strong enough. And God has asked us to activate our faith so we can lead others on the journey and activate their faith and stand in awe of our great God. Isaiah 41.10 says, don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. See, God gives us his promises all throughout scripture. And the reason I share these with you today, I'm gonna share a couple more. We're at base camp. Let me give you the tools because I want you to go the mountain. God wants you to go the mountain. Second Timothy says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, of love, and self-discipline. Do not cower. Do not back out just because of fear. Push, push, push. You will get conditioned. If God has called you to it, push. And I want to encourage you, if we're going to go the distance, you need to stay the path. You need to be a trailblazer. Because a lot of times it's easy for us to follow a path, but God's asking us to follow a path that he's creating. Because he's making a new way. We're not going, if if there's not a path, it's because a lot of people haven't gone that way. There's still going to be stones. You're not going to know the way unless God shows you the way. Matthew 7, verse 13 says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell, which also means the road that leads to destruction, is broad and its, gates, its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. But if it is the, the road that leads to life, don't you think it's worth 
finding that narrow road and navigating that narrow road and knowing that God directs the steps of the godly. It says in Psalms 37, he delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they won't fall. God is going to get you. If he's called you to the trail, there might be rocks on the trail. You trip. You didn't know that was coming. God's got you. Though you stumble, you will not fall. I might fall in these high heels, um, trying things over these greats. So I'm not going to do that. But we even, we capture that here at church, here at Barefoot Church with our Ascent Ministries. That's our college. Miss Ann, you got to stand up. I'm just kidding. (laughs) She said, no. But our college ministries and this fall, like you saw in the video, we're starting an actual private school, um, an actual private school here called Ascent Christian Academy. And our, our mascot is a mountain goat. Everyone give me a meh. Meh. You're going to get used to that. We're going to get you meh. So it doesn't sound very cool yet. I think we're going to need like a really good sports team to redeem because everyone's going to call it a ram. But we are mountain goats because it's very strategic. Maybe they don't say meh, but that's the best sound I think a mountain goat can make. <laughs> um, but they can go the highest places. They get to do the high place living because their hooves are the right blend of hard on the outside but soft and pliable on the inside like we should be as Christians. And so because of that, they can climb up the highest heights, cling to cliffs, and go places that no one else can go. And so God wants to do that with us and allow us to go the high places. And his word is a lamp to guide our feet and a light for our path. And if we're going to stay the path, we need, there's another Colorado term. I call it Colorado term. There's mountains other places, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to claim it. There's switchbacks when you hike a mountain. When we went up Pikes Peak, that's a big mountain there that a lot of people like to climb, there's these things called switchbacks. There are these paths that are made that lead up the mountain because if you just went straight up, it would be too treacherous. If you just tried to go straight up the mountain, you would run out of energy or you would be crawling or there's things you couldn't get around. And so you have to pretend the stage is a mountain. You got to go this way. And then you turn and you go this way and you're going back and forth and you don't feel like you're making much progress. But you stop once you get up and you look down and you see all the way you came. And I feel like someone needs to hear that this morning because you're working it. God has asked you to do something. He said, God, I'm being faithful. This feels so menial. Work the switchbacks. Keep going because God is the guide. He's going to show you which way to keep you from stumbling. He knows how to take you up a mountain and take you higher places. Go the switchbacks. Work it. Work what God has for you. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Work it. Have perseverance. Get some blisters. Blisters hurt at the time, but they are proof of you going the journey, you working it. And no matter what the task is, if it's scary, work it. If it's menial, work it. If people are coming at you, work it and stay focused on God. Because a lot of times we decide here at base camp what we want to do. We decide here at base camp, God speaks to our heart. Pastor Clay comes up, someone else comes up and inspires us from God's word. And we get fired up. We know we want to go up the mountain. But then we look up the mountain and we see the storm clouds. We're already feeling the altitude here at base camp. And it feels comfortable at base camp. We know we have a little support here at base camp. But God wants you to go up the mountain. I don't know what your mountain is today. I don't know if God's asked you to get a degree and keep pursuing 
the education so he can use you in a field that he wants to use you. I don't know if God wants you to climb the mountain of getting over addiction. Maybe that looks a lot like the switchbacks. It looks like a lot of monotony of sticking to something so that God can take you up and take you out of things. Maybe your mountain looks like climbing a mountain of forgiveness. And you look at it and you see, man, you see fear because you don't even know which way to go. You, you have a fear of, are they even going to do their part? But God's going to do his part. Work the mountain of forgiveness. Climb the mountain, whatever mountain God has. Future, greatness, advancement, high place living. That is our God. God is not a God of complacency. He is a God of more, more for your life, more to do. Just keep working it and trust that he's gonna give you the strength for every bit of the way. And the last point I have, if you're gonna go the journey, is to breathe. You've gotta breathe. Because when you're getting to the good stuff, it gets hard to breathe. When, when I was hiking Pike's Peak, We'd come a long ways. We'd stopped at a, a cabin overnight. It's a long hike up the mountain. Some people do it in a day. Sometimes people divide it. We came a long ways. We went up the paths. We were getting to the top because at the top of Pikes Peak, there's this house where you can have a snack or you can choose then to hike back down the mountain or cars could travel up the backside of the mountain and meet you up there. And so you're getting close and you look up the mountain and there's trees down here and up ahead of you is just dirt and stone because you've hit tree line because see you're almost to the top you can see the house on top and you're encouraged by that you've gone so much distance but tree line is where the altitude is so high the trees can't even survive that means you're sucking air that means every step gets harder but you've got to go one step at a time you've got to focus you've got to get all the tools and all the encouragement everything that's got you that far Push in and allow God to be your strength to take you that last bit because you're tempted to give up like never before. But God has so much. If you breathe and you push and you walk the path and stay and focus one step at a time. And with the fear, I wanna leave you with one final passage that God really has spoken over my heart because like I said, fear is something that I personally, I battle with. Not the the thrill-seeking fear, I'm all good with that but I get crippled by things in my life if I don't test my emotions because fear is an emotion God gave us to use in a healthy way. But when we focus on it and use it on an unhealthy way, it'll cripple our lives. And so with fear, another another thing that holds me captive is stress because I have fear of what's to come and I have anxiety and I can't breathe and I can't go the distance and I'm letting something else suck the air out of me that's not meant to suck the air out of me is stress because I'm, I'm forgetting my focus. I'm forgetting that God has it. And in Matthew chapter six, verse 25, it says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Because it's not just talking about vanity when it's talking about clothing and food. It's talking about the things that consume our minds, the things that steal our attention and shift our focus. In verse 28, it says, and why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon, he was a king that was known for how he dressed and all of his money. 
Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? See, because it's tying into our fears. He knows where when our focus gets off, our faith starts to dwindle and fear and stress comes in. It says in verse 31, so don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. So don't be thinking, how am I gonna pay the bills? How am I I gonna get through this work week? How am I gonna even tackle all these things that are coming before me? God says, I already know what you need and I got it. It says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need because we gotta get our focus on him first and he's gonna worry about the rest. It says, so don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So don't be worrying about what's ahead on that mountain. Don't be worrying, commit. When God tells you to commit to do it, do it. Commit at that point and trust that God will push you through every step of that way. And I guarantee he's gonna use you in ways that you didn't even think were possible to bring somebody else along and to advance his kingdom. Cause he's not done yet. We're still here. It's not happened yet. So we still got work to do. Let me pray for us this morning. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for how you challenge us. I thank you that you're not a boring God. I thank you that you're the most adventurous God and that has such a, such a personal desire for relationship with us and to take us places and to entrust us with the task of showing your love to humanity, God. And I pray wherever somebody is today, I pray if they're tempted with complacency and to sit back and to wanna be lazy, God, I pray that you would shake that up in them, God, and give them a new passion and stir in them a fire for what you have for their life, God. I pray if somebody's tired, I pray that you would give them the encouragement here at base camp. I pray they would get involved in a group. I pray that you would bring someone along to encourage them to go the distance. God, I pray that if someone needs to know your word, because it's the lamp to our feet, it's the thing that shows God, that shows us where to go. I pray that you would let them pick up a Bible today from our best day ever tent and talk with somebody about how do I even begin to read this, God? Or maybe somebody wants to just have a relationship with you. Maybe they don't even know anything yet about the journey you wanna take them on, God, but they want to know you and know this God that's gonna push them through things in life because like Pastor Clay said during our offering, that life is hard, life is challenging. It's challenging enough even knowing you, God, but then when we don't have you as our reference point, as our leader, as our, as our everything, God, it seems impossible. And so I just wanna pray if that's you today, I pray that you would just tell God thank you for showing you his love and his own personal way of getting you here this morning and just showing you his love and his word. And I pray that you would just ask where you are in the stillness of your heart. Just ask him to just forgive you and come into your life and begin to help you understand what it means to be a Christ follower. And he sent his son Jesus to die as the ultimate sacrifice to say, I love you so much. I'm gonna send my son so that any mistake you've made that think, that makes you think you're disqualified, I cover that with my son's blood. If you would just ask him into your heart, say, Jesus, come into my heart and show me how to live. Then you become a Christ follower. You're ready to go the mountain and God's gonna equip you for the rest of the journey. God, I thank you that your word does not fall void. I thank you that you equip us. We love you. We thank you for all you're doing, all you wanna take us on. And I pray you would get us ready to climb. In your son's name we pray, amen.